Oh, hello there, Chiluminati listeners. Uh, before we get to today's episode, give me a moment and let me tell you all about today's sponsor, Beard Brand. You can find out what style best suits you at beardbrand.com chill. You see, Beard Brand isn't like other beard companies. In fact, it's not all about beards at all. In fact, there are plenty of other products for skin, hair, and beards. This isn't about being more masculine or being the roughest, toughest guy around. It's all about fostering your confidence through grooming. Whether you have a mustache, a goatee, or the full-on beard like myself, Beard Brand has something for you. They encourage us men to be better versions of ourselves, and taking care of your beard is part of that. No need to change who you are, only help you express yourself through great grooming. Maybe you don't have a beard. Don't worry, Beard Brand has it covered. With plenty of product for your skin and hair over at beardbrand.com chill. Heck, I've been using the sea salt spray for my hair to give it that windswept look you constantly see me with. And it smells damn great at the same time. Beard Brand is all about education and community while fostering self-confidence through grooming. Again, you can find out what works out best for you at beardbrand.com slash chill. That's beardbrand.com slash chill. Beardbrand.com slash C-H-I-L-L. Now, on to the show. do hello 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 everybody and welcome to the chiluminati podcast episode 17 uh today and next episode uh we will be diving back into the world of true crime uh i'm excited to uh it's been since the tommy patera trilogy since we've touched true crime and uh, one of our most listened to batch of episodes by a large margin people loved the tommy patera stuff um apparently whoa 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 more than the talk of Alex and, and Space Beatles or whatever the, the hell those you guys the mongoose with that on a- rides the bus on around town. <laughs> Listen, yeah. the, the Jeff the Mongoose one was great. My gossipy mongoose isn't as popular as this awesome crime. <laughs> uh, I, I you know we stand in a, in a place of privilege to say none of our episodes really do poorly. All of them do really well. Um, the Tommy Patera stuff, however, does particularly well because I think he's still alive and. So- uh, the facts are, uh, the, 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 my memory's a little cloudy because I remember reading it a while ago, but Tommy, that, the whole Bonanno crime family killed somebody re- relatively recently. I heard about this. They actually, they're still this. around, they're still doing things, and they murdered somebody a couple months back. To which I say, hey guys, <laughs> looking good. You're all sharp. Sharp dressers, all of you. Every right, last right. one of you. Exactly. Oh, you all man, look great. such a cool guy. That Tommy was a piece of shit though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was a. Uh, yes. I have no opinion either way. Hopefully, <laughs> it believe, doesn't affect you. Can't believe they, can't believe he did that to the bananas like that. Oh, remember right. he, Yeah, no, that's, no, 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 no. He stayed loyal to the bananas in prison. He never ratted out anybody. Which is why sure. I am. <laughs> I have no opinion. He's neither, neither do I. <laughs> you know what it is? You know what it is? I think it's the macabre. I think people just want to hear about 
brutal. Yeah, murders. well, I think that's what's, what's <laughs> well, honest to God. You're right. Like it, we're a horror podcast overall, right? We do a lot of weird shit. We talk about all the weird things, but real life horror is scarier than anything fake or perceived as fake. And people just, you know, horror is just a lot of fun. I am a self-admitted kind of just fan of the psychology of serial killers. And it, it really interests me. Um, but that brings us to today. But before we worry about any of that, we got a few things we have to talk about. One, uh, a lot of this research came from a book called Fatal by Harold Schechter. Great book. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. Uh, it talks all about the the Jane Toppin. Um, however, Jane will be reserved for the next episode. Um, but also, I want to give a personal shout out and thank you uh, to, to our two volunteer researchers that helped tremendously on this episode. Deanna Davis and Nathan Leonard. I sincerely appreciate it. They'll, you'll be hearing oh, those Oh, do names. we know their credentials? Do we yes, know who these people we do are? Have, I have their credentials and everything. I know. I know I don't, um, I'm just saying. I, I, I uh, you know, these are these vetted, people? These are vetted sources. <laughs> vetted sources. Um, sources? Yeah. They, well, <laughs> in a oh way. Oh, my God. They were there. Prime they, they were, were there. the killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you'll be seeing or hearing those names and maybe a few others over the course of however long we end up doing this. Um, it's just been very nice to have uh, other people be able to Oh, help my God. Through. Is this going to be like like on Coast to Coast AM when they have the people call in for the first 30 minutes? And it's like, our old friend of the show, <laughs> Lisa, the star lady, and she's like, you know, the stars are in good position tonight, George. <laughs> Is that are these gonna be? I'm not. Quite I'm down like for that. it. I'm ready. They're just. I. They. They help me go through a lot of the garbage stuff that I have to read and sift through good and bad. And the number eight is in your astrological sign tonight. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you know that they changed the fucking? What are those? The zodiacs. Did you hear about this? Did they change them? They did it a did while you, ago. Yeah, like NASA like published something and it like officially changes everyone's zodiac a little bit. Like I'm like a. According to them, I, I I went from being a Cancer to a Leo or something like that. C congrats. Well, uh, once a Taurus, always a Taurus. I was going to say, Mine I'm a Taurus. does not change. Or no, yeah. no, I'm a Gemini now. I'm a Gemini now. I think that means is. you and I are not supposed to mix well. But are you, is that your new Zodiac or is that your old Zodiac? I don't friggin' know. I was a Taurus. See? I was always a Taurus. <laughs> Yeah, April on... 20 to May 21 is Taurus. All right, I'm that's always thing, a Taurus. That's the thing, though, is if, if it changed and people are still like, oh, my God, that's totally me. It means the whole thing's bullshit. Because oh, exactly. the other time, everybody was wrong. Well, are you saying that horoscopes are fake <laughs> and just generalizations meant to make you believe that you're both an introvert and extrovert? You're an introverted extrovert. <laughs> I believe in I believe in a higher knowledge, I'm an, Jesse. I, that would make me an extroverted introvert, right? Because you, you, know, you know what I believe? Yeah. I believe that I'm a Taurus, and so is Dwayne Johnson, George Clooney, Megan Fox, and Queen Elizabeth II. So please, and, and, and thank and, you very much. And me and Dwayne the Rock Johnson have the same birthday. So that makes and I am the, the same, same Myers-Briggs as Tyrion Lannister. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's not fake, gentlemen? Serial killers. It's a good That's time. True. That's a good segue, right? Yeah, All right, so this, this is actually this is actually an episode I'll be like, this happened. This yeah, is real. This all happened. <laughs> I believe this. I believe it's this. Up, but I believe it. <laughs> so uh, the first question I want to ask you boys uh, is when you guys think of serial killers, don't look at the notes because I wrote examples, obviously. But uh, when you think of serial killers, who do you or do you, or, or do you mostly think of when the word serial killer comes to mind? Literally, uh, I picture like a dude in a white shirt and a mustache. Right? Yeah. You don't like, have to give me names. A, a beautiful can... person. A beautiful a, like, person. A, a, like especially a man. Uh, like a very attractive man because it's easier for them to lure in people. 
when they're like, you're thinking oh. like, you're thinking like, uh, what's his name, right? Uh, Ted Bundy or whoever. Who's the hot one? Yeah, Ted Bundy was a hot one. Uh, Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer wasn't even that bad of a look- looking guy for for his. But time. Dahmer, I think of him because he ate people. He ate, he yeah. he's he. One day we'll tackle those big boys, but we're not gonna get there quite yet. And uh, and what's the the clown guy? John Wayne Gacy's the yeah, clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like the he's like the archetype or the uh, the the guy from that show on Netflix. Mine hunters or whatever. Oh yeah, I didn't. I actually haven't seen the it. Co-ed, yet, the co-ed, killer. the co-ed killer. Yeah, but you exactly. always think like, of something like like American Psycho or Dexter, like exactly. the guy who's very clean cut and very precise, and is like, "What I do, I do because I must." Like that kind of exactly. weird shit. Yeah. yeah, and like exactly. and like literally and like literally clean. They're clean. Yep, not just clean clean cut, but like right. meticulous. Yeah, yeah, like John Wayne Gacy's house as an example was in, and was immaculate, pretty good looking, but under the floorboards of his house is where he kept all the bodies. Um, but exactly, the, what you guys said is males, mostly middle-aged, maybe a little younger, uh, but they're always in adulthood. Uh, likely suspects that are that you guys all mentioned, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, and these all happened in the period between the 60s and the 80s. And news cycles were dominated by these people, making them uh, big names and big entertainment pieces. The uh, classics, yeah, the hits. Exactly. Sure. Uh, Top forty serial killers. Yeah, serial killers were in a in a. Rocky oh, all I love. Top forty <laughs> serial killers. Is this a serial killer radio show? Kid, come and let you live on the serial killer charts number five. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> oh my god, what's up? Uh, nothing bad. I killed the guy. How you doing? <laughs> oh my god, is this our favorite caller, John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> It's me. What's up? I killed somebody. Yeah. What's up? Me too. Cool. <laughs> uh, serial killers back then, and still are to a, a lesser degree, obviously, a, a weird fascination. And to some people, myself included, it still kind of stays that way. They're very fascinating uh, psychological profiles to delve into and kind of figure Undeniably, out. Undeniably, the, yeah, the morbid just... curiosity is overwhelming in in cases like that. Exactly. So when I ask you, what do you guys, uh, when I ask about Female serial killers. Does anybody come to mind? Charlize Theron. So Alien Worms. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. In the movie Monster. <laughs> yeah. And that is it. And yeah. that <laughs> is literally Lizzie it. Borden. Lizzie Borden is the only one I can think of. Oh yeah. Uh, the rhyme, right? Yeah. And she wasn't a serial killer though, was she? She just had a. a, a she I guess a you're right. She had a. She's... What do you call a killing spree in the moment? Yeah. I guess, all right. I guess you're. Right. Yeah. I don't really. You never really think of female serial killers because it's usually guys. Yep, exactly. Weird. Men just love to kill shit. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's when you said Eileen Wernos, that's exactly it, right? Eileen Wernos, who's was a late stage serial killer. In 1989 is when she started doing her her crimes, mm. um, which would make sense too that that's who you think of because uh, she was dubbed after her arrest the first female serial killer. That's what every that's book, every really TV true, show, though, right? really marketed her as the way to sell things. Um, and she was brutal and showed all the signs of her male counterparts, uh, clearly killed for the thrill and the sexual urge that it gave her, the sexual thrill it gave her. Uh, very messy, was more of a, but, but very much like a, a gun to the head kind of shot. She didn't torture her victims. Who is she the, put them out. who is the woman who was, was it the angel of death? The person, who, of would, death? Yep. The person who would go around and like kill people in the hospital because she's like, I'm putting them out of their misery. Who was that? We're going to get to her in the next episode. Jane Toppin is the angel of death. Uh, Devil in disguise, angel of death. That is her nickname. Uh, But before we get to Jane Toppin, we're going to talk a little bit about serial killing in the late 1860s. What? uh, And specifically a female serial killer that operated before Jane Toppin did. 
who killed in a very similar way. Um, Interesting. So let's let me pull you bo all boys back. Time machine time. We're going far away. All right, hold on. Perfect. Yeah. If you guys had a visual, you would just see Jesse and Alex making fingers at the camera. Uh, no, they would have seen the camera going wavy as we traveled back <laughs> to the 1860s. And, and it now it's black and white. And now you hear the game. You hear the, the clopping of horse, the chattering of people on the streets, uh, bells as doors open and close. Welcome to a post-Civil War America. A time where the, industri the Industrial Revolution had been rolling for a while now, and the USA was catapulting itself into a proper world power that it would eventually become uh, as we know it. Where machinery and mankind's drive work hand in hand to push itself further, and a time where medicine was still working out some kinks. <laughs> Burning wood to make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as an example, let's talk about arsenic in this particular time period. Something that we're going to get very, very familiar with over the course of these two episodes. An over-the-counter purchase at the time that it was sold and used for a sort of cure-all. Remember, there was no FDA during this time. I there just was... don't even understand how it's like, like right now, nowadays, we know ar arsenic to be like, it's Fucking a poison that kills literally it's a deadly out. poison the worst poison like yeah. a poison that oh this is like a comedy almost like a trope when you're going to poison somebody arsenic yeah. how did it ever get used for anything like when you give it to somebody to fix them aren't they just like eh, and then they die like what happens i mean more or less uh it, it, i mean it's exactly what it's, it, that's exactly what it was is a poison however uh back then it was used for multi-purpose things uh, people would use arsenic for rat poison, obviously. You could just buy it and, and poison, you know, a rat problem. That's a solid use of arsenic. But you could also find arsenic in common, common beauty products. Well, as I an mean, example, one known as Bella Vita arsenic beauty tablets. Tablets? Tablets. Where taking the tablet was claimed to eliminate pimples, blotches, freckles, sunburn, discolorizations, eczema, blackheads, roughness, redness, and to restore the bloom of youth to faded faces. Let All right, let's be clear. Correct. Just before we start mocking these people for their insane use of things that are dangerous. <laughs> yes. People inject Botox into their face. Like, Botox is the thing we do now. Yeah, but this is like, I, 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 I'm of the understanding that when you eat arsenic, then you die, right? Like we're gonna, that's we're gonna, what happens. Yep, yeah, and, and usually what it is, and we're going to talk about the amount that it usually takes to kill somebody. I and understand that they, they, they putting in those beauty tablets, granted there was arsenic in them, um, but never the amount that one tablet would kill you. Uh, right uh, let's out. also okay. point out that, it, just for those of you at home, Google old ad for cocaine. Oh! And just like <laughs> the things that pop up are like, cocaine, toothache drops, instantaneous yep. cure, 15 cents, Registered 1885. Like, this is just, this, in the past, things were a little different. That's all we're saying. This is going to be multiple stories, uh, this today's story and next story, of a mix of uh, uneducation, like uh, being uneducated in, in the top and, and knowing what arsenic really does, um, and, and all these things that, like, Jesse Cocaine and, and uh, morphine, all this stuff was over the counter. There was just not any knowledge or full knowledge as to what it does. We, people basically knew it made you feel better. So it's good for you. Take it. Uh, however, there's going to be a mix of that and a bunch of just incompetence at play as well that allowed these people to get away with what they did for as long as they did. Uh, however, like I said, the beauty tablets, it was arsenic in general is incredibly cheap to make, was incredibly cheap to purchase, and no one would have batted an eye if you bought a good bit of it all at once. 
and one such person to make such a purchase is the topic of our discussion today, Lydia Struck. Lydia was a tailorist by trade with big, beautiful blue eyes, chestnut hair, and a milky complexion. And at the age of 17, married a man by the name of Edward Struck, who was almost 40 at the time. Uh, he was a widower, had six children from his previous marriage. God damn, dude. He married 17-year-old <laughs> Lydia, uh, putting a vast difference in their age. And Lydia would then go on to have seven more children with Edward, making their Yo. total 13 all together. Didn't people live to be like 40 years old at this time? Like what? But, the but also, you guys but also keep in mind, child, like infant death rates were very, like you had a lot of kids because we expected to lose like You're three or four along field. the way. I get it. Yeah. yeah. And we are also living in a, remember, we're, this is a time where like we're slowly transitioning into the modern age and life expectancy is slowly going up and people are living longer. Um, unlike like the early 1800s where things were just, people were just dying at the drop of a hat. Um, but yeah, he would go on to have 17, uh, seven children with Lydia, bringing a total of 13 children altogether. And with a wife and 13 children to support, Ed needed a damn job, as his previous one had been lost. Jesus, yeah. Luckily. 13 kids? I can't even afford to support a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that was too real. I don't, 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 don't. That's too real for our day and age. Um, what the hell? So, luckily, in 1857, New York uh, was in the midst of redoing its entire police force, and Edward applied for a job as a beat cop. He was luckily given that job and for six years patrolled the streets of Manhattan. However, the job would not last, and after those six years, Edward would be let go from the force. A barroom brawl had broken out, and as the story goes, an, uh, an enraged drunk with a pistol had been causing a huge problem inside a local hotel, and Ed was right outside the hotel when it all went down. And instead of intervening, because he's a cop, he apparently ran away. He it's also pieced out. He pieced out. Now it's also important to keep in mind that cops at this time didn't carry firearms. They only had a baton. Uh, there was, they weren't allowed to carry pistols in, in the 1850s and sixties. Um, Crazy. The story then continues that shortly afterward, another police officer would arrive and the whole thing would be brought to a close. No lives lost. However, after hearing of Edward's reaction, the police force immediately fired him, let him go. No investigation or anything. They were just, just pieced him out that day. Uh, Ed tells a different story, however. Uh, he says that he was not, uh, not near the hotel at the time and had heard the commotion a few streets away and quickly made his way there. But by the time he arrived, another officer had already been on the scene and had de-escalated de the situation and he wasn't uh, needed for it any longer. But no matter what the truth is, the end, he lost his job and sunk into what would become a very, very terrible depression. Uh, something that, at the time, people didn't really have a diagnosis for. They just thought he was really sad. I wonder which one he did, man. I wonder what. I wonder whether he actually ran away or not. That's crazy. Well, yeah, the, so the details, uh, a little bit more go about, like, that there's believed that Ed had evidence on some of the higher-ups in the police force that they were acting corrupt, and they were just looking for any reason to get rid of him. But a lot of that comes from Ed's side of the story. Um but the fact that there was no investigation and they let him go and what we'll learn about the captain a little bit later leads me to believe that it's kind of up in the air and each one seems plausible. You think uh, they were just kind of like, just quit, bitch. Like, get out of here. And yeah, it's like, possible. It's possible. Uh, what were you going to say, Jesse? 
No, I was going to say, usually the truth always lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So I feel like he probably pieced out, and they used that as an excuse to finally get rid of him because they were trying to for a while. Like, yeah, I feel like that's say, the middle. It just middle. seems like it's not that good of a reason to fire somebody, but... But if you're looking is. for a reason to fire someone, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, he did still serve two, uh, six years on the force, which is good. And so by the time he lost his job, his first six children had all grown old enough to, old enough to leave the home and go live lives of their own. Um, but at this point, it still left six other children as their firstborn actually died at the age of uh, two from intestinal illness. Uh, and Lydia and himself to care for. Um, while Lydia on the surface had been a model housewife caring for his children and him cooking and cleaning, doing all the things an 1800s wife is expected to do. What I didn't know is that behind the veneer of goodliness lied something way scarier. Something we wouldn't define for quite some time yet. A psychopathic serial killer. Each, Whoa. Okay, know, wait. So hold on. So let me think about this. So six of his kids, the six kids that were Lydia's kids before, or his kids before. His kids before, not Lydia's kids. Yeah. His kids before were already out. So we're right. talking about a household with six, like, very young children. Six younger it. children in it. Yep. Okay, got it. Yep. Um, so... Ed ended up spending a lot of time at home. He couldn't find work anywhere else. And the more he failed to find work, the more depressed he became. Uh, eventually, he would not even leave the bed anymore. And apparently, at one point, took his own pistol into his mouth and was going to pull the trigger before being talked down by the family and Lydia uh, and whatnot. And, you know, to her credit, to the best we can, Lydia did seem like she was doing a, a lot to, to try and help. Uh, at one point, she even went to the police captain hoping that she could convince them to take Ed back onto the force. And the captain had apparently already been trying to do that over the course of years and failing. The police force just would not hire him, no matter how hard the captain tried. Uh, or at least that's what the captain told Lydia. Of course, we don't know if that's all true, if Lydia, you know, did that. We do know that she went to the captain, however. Um, his advice to Lydia, though, was simple. Ed needed to be put out of the way. What the captain said he meant in further uh, testimonies at court at some point was that he meant an insane asylum. Go put him in an insane asylum. He clearly lost his mind. He was now a danger to himself and to others and to keep him safe away from people to go put him into an insane asylum. Lydia, however, took those words rather differently. After speaking to the captain, she went back home, scrounged about 10 cents from around the house, and then went to the local drugstore and bought one ounce of arsenic. Likely getting a bit more than an ounce, though, because it was actually known that uh, drug deal uh, drug dealers, pharmacists and whatnot, gave liberal amounts of arsenic because of how cheap it was and how easy it was to make. So she, she likely got, an got more. Ounce, an ounce of arsenic for 10 cents? For 10 cents. She got an ounce of arsenic from uh, her local drugstore in how a bottle. Mu how much? <laughs> okay. 10 cents in uh, 18 or like 1862 money. Yeah, which is like zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> I'm trying right? to think of what it would be now. I'd, we'd have to do the conversions. Pro I'd probably like $10, right? Like something like that. I imagine it's still pretty cheap. Yeah, like yeah. 10 bucks to make to, to grab arsenic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, she spent 10 cents on getting an ounce in arsenic. Now, mind you, only about one to four grains of arsenic is enough to kill a person. And she got a fucking ounce of it. Um this is also during a time where everything from cocaine, chloroform, morphine, and mercury were all easily sold over the, over the counter and marketed as cure-alls of the era. Every single of the, one of them was found in a cure-all of some sort, uh, and you could just get the shit over the counter without a, an issue. 
What? How many poisonings were happening at this time? <laughs> one lot, would imagine a lot, lot because yeah, people I didn't know. A fuck ton. But also they what didn't is- they didn't have the scientific and medical knowledge to be like ah that's what killed them right because if you're taking well, they, a cure all well, it's they- because you have a disease of some sort they're trying to cure or like and so they'd be like well they did have scarlet fever so. You know, yeah. that's what it's what got them. So it's interesting because, like, they they could tell ar- they knew arsenic was a poison. That was not something that was a, a, a shy away from arsenic poisoning. Did happen uh, to people. However, uh, from my understanding, only a few doctors could recognize the outward uh, arsenic symptoms when you get them. It's not like poisoned. foaming at the mouth and your eyes. No, move. it's not. Yeah. And we'll get into what those symptoms are. And the only way they could definitely be sure is postmortems. They'd have to take the organs out. They'd have to send them away. It would be weeks before they heard back. And a lot of people, especially during the early 1900s, late 1800s, and for most of human history are like, don't desecrate the body or else he won't get into heaven. Like that's yeah. the, I mean, that's like the basic gist of it. And so you wouldn't let them do that. And only recently were people like, yeah, maybe we should find out who killed this person. <laughs> yeah, how just they do died. an autopsy, please. Like that would be great. Yeah. That's so crazy. So it was really easy to do this shit. And, like, just get away with it for untold amounts of time. And, yeah, I wonder how many got away with it. I wonder how many doctors or nurses or people who just knew what the fuck arsenic did got away with it because they didn't, you know, get lazy. Um, However, our dear Lydia ended up buying that arsenic and heading home. Arriving home, Lydia set out to do exactly what the captain asked of her. Put it out of the way. He was in bed, as he always was when Lydia got home, and she fixed him up some uh, oatmeal and using one of her sewing needles as a way to measure it, mixed in some arsenic and then helped him get the entire bowl down. Throughout the night, she would continue to feed him mixed uh, foods with uh, foods mixed with arsenic and drinks mixed with arsenic as well. And in her mind, she told herself she was believing to do him a favor, releasing him from his misery while simultaneously lessening her stress and her workload at home. Myths about female serial killers and poisoning being the humane way to go end up being the actual opposite. Where a lot of the atrocities of Bundy and Dahmer and all that stuff get, uh, you know, a lot of headline because it was very grotesque what they did with the bodies afterward. Um, especially Dahmer and, like, John Wayne Gacy and the like. Right. Uh, their killing methods were quick, almost always. Maybe Bundy shot in the head in it, but usually shot in the head, slashed in the throat, choked. A lot of those serial killers are what is called product killers. They want the body. They don't want to deal with the, the killing itself. Um, arsenic, however, works. What a bizarre ass way to phrase. Like, I get it, but it's like creepy, right? They're product. They want the product. Like, I mean, yes, they're famous. They are categorized by their desire to yeah, there's, murder there's a, people anyway. So there's like <laughs> uh, three or four different categories of serial killers depending on what they're trying to do. And this shit, you know. As we talk about this kind of thing, obviously, like we did with Tom Tommy Patera, like dark gets dark. Yeah, um, it gets it gets crazy. Uh, however, like I said, they that comparatively to none of them are humane. There is no humane way to murder somebody. If right. you were to compare how arsenic kills you compared to a gunshot to the head, like the son of Sam, who's another serial killer who killed with a pistol, um, you would take a gun to the head, a bullet to the head immediately, because. Uh, Around 8 o'clock the next morning on May 24th, 1864, after an incredibly long night, uh, Edward Strzok finally died of excruciating pain, vomiting, retching, seizing, fever, diarrhea, and all the while, Lydia sat by his bedside, quote-unquote, tending to him the entire night, 
knowing what she was doing and poisoned him throughout the entire night. When the physician showed up the next day, he declared it death by consumption. That's what, I, yeah, that whole idea of like, well, he coughed up blood and then your yeah, old exactly. consumption got him. They don't, they don't know, they don't have the medical knowledge, so everything could have been like, yes, that's exactly, we know what it is. It's one of like four things. That's it. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah. And if you think, and if and you if think they, poisoning, <laughs> if you think poisoning is humane, like, think about getting food poisoning. Like, you know, you don't die from it, but that sucks ass. It's, it's the way the media portrays a lot of female serial killers. If you think about, like, the female serial killer poisoning, you think of, like, a lady in a dress who elegantly Stealth, moves from room quiet. to room and quiets. And when you think of Bundy and Gacy, you think of psychopaths who murder and torture and decapitate and all this other crazy uh, stuff. When I think of female serial killers, I think of Xenia Onatop from James Bond who crushed you with her thighs. <laughs> That's what I, I think of. I was going to say, I'll killer. take it. I'll take it. When's the Xenia on the top episode? Uh, you know, we need that. It's, that's episode six. That's Jesse's episode. James Jesse Bond broke her back, one. unfortunately, but he got they, he took her out. Um, but it's a lot of the way the more the media portrays the two. The 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 crazy male ones get pers- you know prescribed crazy. Females get prescribed mean and evil. But they're both crazy. They're both psychopaths. They're both monsters at heart. You know, psychopathic serial killers are very shallow people. They're able to put on personas of somebody with emotion, but really they, they live to, de- to satisfy their inner desire to kill, which it's is their driving creepier. force. It's, it's almost creepier to me, the poisoning, because you're kind of like doing, you, 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 you're like doing an experiment. Like you're kind of like watching something happen that you did and like and as what happened. When you're talking experiments, that's something we'll talk about Jane Toppin in the next episode. She loved to experiment with different poisons and poison combinations just to see what they did to the person. Um, but that's for later. Yeah. However, uh, and if they didn't know what it was, like Jesse was saying, oh, consumption or whatever, they would call it illness of the X, illness of the intestines, illness of the stomach, illness of the head. If they didn't know what killed them or they, they didn't think they knew what killed them, they would label it on the death certificate just an illness of a, of a type they didn't understand. Um, let's uh, fast forward time briefly. Uh, do we all remember 1994 and Susan Smith, the lady who had her oh, car God, with her two kids? Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, yep. my God. And, and how insane how like that was crazy. Uh, that she even was able to do that to her two children, and you know what kind of crazy. Do we know? Because that's be? happened. That's happened since, where people would like drown their like like a woman would drown her kids in the tub or something. Yeah, like that, I remember. I remember that one too. That was and another one. I can't. One. I can't. Think, like they keep saying it's sort of like a depression uh, or something that that like. Um, she, I, they, I, they always justify it to themselves in a way that she was saving well, her two kids from becoming crazy or, or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, I don't, but it's always, I, I don't think even doctors today know why stuff like that happens. Yeah, that, they're that's reasoning, makes... I'm like, is that how that works? Like, I just, I truly don't know. And it's it's dark, but yeah. also very fascinating because the, the idea that a parent could do that to their own kids is like, something is seriously wrong. And I, like, there is no scientific explanation that I can see. Yeah, other than just psychopathy, you know. I have, like no, just, I have no clue. Yeah, I guess a psychotic it, break, you know, like yeah. whatever. So yeah, for those who don't know, ninety four, a woman by the name of Susan Smith had her two kids in the car, and she drove the car off the ledge and watched on the shore as the car for five minutes. She watched as the car just sank slowly her with her children. Drown in a fucking yep. car, dude. Ugh. And that that shit is horrific and still goddamn is. That's horrible. However, yeah. one hundred and thirty years before that, Lydia would do the same. However, not the two children but to all fucking six of them. Oh, my God. With the, the first, first kill 
firmly under her belt, it's as though the floodgates opened in Lydia's mind and her true desire for killing was all she lived for from that point onward. Just one month after killing her husband, she started to feel the same worthlessness in her kids that she saw in her husband, who had just been lying in bed and become a bother to her, not earning any money for the house and, and basically, you know, putting them into financial despair. Particularly that of her youngest, six-year-old Martha Ann, four-year-old Ed Jr., and baby William, who was no more than a few, few months old. Since they could, as she put it in her own words, they could do nothing for me or for themselves. But Lydia didn't want to act rashly. She wanted to be sure that killing them was the right call. So in her confession at court, she said she thought it over for a few days first. She put some time into thinking about whether killing them was the right thing to do, and eventually what? came to the conclusion that they all had to die. What the f- Like, what- Like, that's- uh, She just I, turned into a cyborg and, like, decided, like- Again, that's- That's a lot of, uh- Psychopathy's not the, the right- Like, psychopathy's a thing. But that's not the, the, the word I'm looking for. Sociopath. There's clearly a technical sociopath. word. Sociopath. Sociopath. Yeah, a sociopath who, and, and these, these, this is an actual thing that exists that there are, because so, sociopathy does not mean that you're an evil serial killer. Let me put that out there. There no. are good sociopaths out there. But sociopathy is the inability to feel um, emotion towards someone else. Well, it's like, just a lack, it's a lack of, it's a lack of empathy. It's yeah, the idea that empathy. you, you don't, Correct. you do not see others as worthy of your Correct. emotions because the only person you're focusing on is yourself and it's like every to everyone else it's like like they're like pieces in a game of your Correct. own uh, like life like you're the most important person and everyone else just exists to either get something from or use in some way i hear mm -hmm. that like one in 10 people is a sociopath yeah, i believe that especially nowadays i believe that it, 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 it takes a very, very specific mix to make a sociopath a serial killer. Right. It's totally, I mean, they're different things. Like, like, right. uh, like just in the way that a non-sociopath can be a serial killer, a sure. sociopath can. Yep. And, and, you know, it, it helps that they don't have empathy. Right. That's, know, that's, and that's, that's something to keep in mind for Lydia here, because very much everything she does is about betterment of, her, of how she perceives her life and wanting to make her life better by removing the things that are in her way. Mm -hmm. um, and, if, and again, if you don't see people as people right. with their own lives and like existences, you just see them as like things in your way to being better. That's, that's, you know, that's a sociopathic thing. A lot of the, I believe the stat is like almost every CEO or, or yeah. the people on yes. the boards of every corporation, <laughs> those are sociopaths. Because and then, you have and, to step on people to get to that high. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the most powerful people in the world usually are sociopaths. Uh, I believe they said like it also is a presidential thing too. Like mm -hmm. a lot of presidents and world leaders are sociopaths, even though they're like, you know, I promise you, I'm going to do everything. At the end of the day, they had to like break a few backs to step on their way up to the top. Of course, and and that's something important too to keep in mind as serial killers. Like think about Ted Bundy. He got his he got all of his victims by putting on a face of caring and being friendly and, and luring them into a false sense of security. And when he got them away, that all disappeared, and he just he was able to be who he truly was. Yeah. Um. Anyway, furthering on with that, uh, like I said, she she thought it over for a few days before she decided. You know, I imagine she sat in her room, read a book, had some tea. Is killing my children the best way to go? And she decided it's that it was crazy. The way to go. That's it is. It's crazy. fucking insane. Like I can't imagine sitting in my office and being like. My family's kind of a pain. They're in my way. I could kill them, but let me think it for about 
a couple nights. Let me let me let me sleep on it first, and then waking up two days later. Hey, you know what? I'll kill him. It's like moving to Austin by yourself. It's like the same idea. It's like. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, it's like a uh, yeah. I really. It's a good opportunity. Just, you know what? I'm just gonna take the chance. I'm just gonna yeah. take the chance. Yeah. Let's go yeah, for it. Yeah, what, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? So after thinking it over, in the first week of July, she poisoned all three of them, killing all of them. Her confessions at the time show a true psychopath, emotionless and speaking in terms that were clear that she only cared about herself. When she spoke of Ed Jr.'s death, who was the middle child in the three that ended up dying in that first week, she said the following. Jesse or Alex, you're welcome to read her confession in the most old-timey female way that you can. Ooh. Anybody? Anybody want to? You want me to do yeah. it? Uh, I'll old-timey female read this. <clears throat> okay. Do this. In the evening, Edward died. He was a beautiful boy, and he did not complain during his illness. He was very patient. The afternoon before he died, my stepdaughter, Gertrude Thompson, came in to see my children and spoke to him and said, Eddie, are you sick? He said, yes. Then she said, you will get better. And he said, no, I shall not ever get well. <laughs> the doctors had no suspicions in this case either, and I did not hear of anyone having any. And that is verbatim what she said in court about the, the, how she just spoke of her son, be dying patiently and being um, a beautiful boy. The kid said, no, I, I shall never, never get, get well. well. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And <laughs> Ed Jr. would die very shortly thereafter. And baby William would die a death in, a, in great agony, even a sh- uh, few hours after Ed Jr.'s death. The doctors classified the deaths as remittent fever and bronchitis. Shout out, shout out to bronchitis. I've had it. It is the worst. It's bad. <laughs> it is an unpleasant unpleasant experience i feel like I, I did have bronchitis when i was a teenager and i don't remember uh i'm gonna be real with you bronchitis is like an orgasm if you've had one you know oh then maybe you I've are aware that you have, you're aware that you went through that because it is like the worst yeah. breathing sucks oh god so definitely then i haven't had bronchitis sweet uh, <laughs> hopefully i never will <laughs> i just can't believe that like this is like this is like the same anytime you hear a story like this where like somebody's killing their whole family. It's like everybody's like, "Oh my god, your husband died. That is so shitty." Yep. "Oh my god, let me know if you need anything." "Wow, now your son is dead. That is so crappy." "No, now your your daughter and two sons are dead." "Oh, they died all at once, too?" She yeah. poisoned them all in the all, first she week poisoned of July. Three she of knocked them. out the three youngest ones. Yeah, she killed the three youngest cuz they were in her words like just Sitting around doing nothing, How is which that is not so crazy. Exactly, we're gonna because okay, in this case specifically, there is a heaping heaping dose of incompetence at play here, and we're gonna get to that in a minute. So, like we were saying before, this all seems crazy that doctors continually classify these deaths incorrectly. But you also have to remember that at the time we were still discovering things. Right. We had no regulations. It was an era where we were still putting live leeches all over people's bodies because we thought it helped with damn near everything. Medicine was still very much in the dark ages in a lot of respects. It's still kind of, I mean, leeches are. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have a medicinal purpose. Yeah, yeah. But they don't cure a fever or. Right. Well, that, I mean, now it's a different thing. It's like a holistic thing now, right? Right, exactly. Where, like, the thinning of the blood, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, well, no, right. Kelly, Kelly uses them at work on animals all the time. Well, yeah, it helps them the blood, and like Jesse was saying, and it can help, like, stimulate blood flow. There are uses for them, they're just not. You know, common practice. Anymore. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, 
Yes, we could bring leeches, or doctor could just take a needle and suck like blood out of you. Yeah, a computer's like beep boop boop, and then it like did the same thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but at this time, medicine was still primitive, and besides, Lydia only killed them because they were useless. Let's keep that right. in mind. Oh, Unlike yeah. her fourteen-year-old boy George, who had gotten himself a job as a painter for two dollars and fifty cents a week. He was contributing, and as long as he was contributing, he wasn't a burden. Work hard, um, George. Work your fucking ass keep, off, kid. Please, George, don't ever stop. Oh, no. George has painter's colic. No! <laughs> painter's colic is an intestinal colic associated with the obstinate constipation due to chronic lead poisoning. Oh, that's right, because paint had was lead all up until, like, lead. Damn. the 70s. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like, all right, lead yeah. was in everything, and he eventually got that. You know what, shout out 60. to all the kids listening. You got it real good, yes. When, Don't eat paint chips, lead paint. Like, that was a worry still when I was growing up. Yeah, like, you got it real, you are living... High and mighty on the hog, my friend. <laughs> because, because 20 years, 30 years ago, <laughs> shit was not the let same. Let me tell you it's about like, asbestos. That shit oh, is everywhere. It still Don't is. worry. I was going to say, don't worry. Asbestos is coming back if uh, the, the regulations have, have gone through. Can't wait for a new dawning. <laughs> but I remember living in my, my parents' house uh, in the 90s. Lead wasn't in paint anymore, but we were in an older house. So all the paint in the house almost positively had lead and the amount of times our parents like don't eat the paint don't eat the paint don't eat the paint as we as they slowly kind of fix well, the house over time here's the good news kids the pipes that are underground that shit was from the 50s good yep. luck everyone <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 1860s are fucked up man the you're 1860s work, are wild you're working you get poisoned at work and because you got poisoned at work you ended up at home where your mom poisoned you to death <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, to be fair to Lydia, she gave her son a whole week to recuperate before oh, she got God. discouraged and frustrated and thought he would he would. He, this is the best part. She didn't kill him off because he was a burden. She was now killing him off because he was potentially going to become a burden in her words. That's very generous. And now you can see uh, something else that you see a lot in serial killers. Serial killers always give themselves little allowances, little allowances, little allowances until the deed is done. And then once those gates are open, they look for any excuse to do it, as long as they get to kill again. Um, and well, so, and that like, if you watch any sort of TV drama about murder or whatever, mm. they always are like, once someone kills once, you have to stop them, or else they're going to do it more and more and more and more and more to the point where they're like, "Come catch me!" Like someone and they, try and so stop many- me. That's like the Zodiac uh, right there, to a T. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and there are a bunch of killers who ended up getting caught because they did that. They got so – they almost, the, the part, almost getting caught becomes part of the game for them. Right, they, because they can get away with it so much and they keep doing it, and they're like, this is too easy. Yeah, like, like no on, one's going to stop be, I'm, I'm better than you. It's a lot of, like, putting themselves above the world. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, her son might have become a burden after a week of, of dealing with painter's colic. So she mixed arsenic into her son's tea and killed him. Damn. Damn. The, Real. The local physician that had been coming by, by the way, over the the one who has been putting uh, the deaths on, you know, labeling the deaths of all her family, was a physician by the name of L. Rosenstein. He had become quite acquainted with Lydia and her family from all the death. More like L. Blosenstein. Well, Rosenstein <laughs> is going to be a big reason she gets to keep doing what she does. She continually, he continually saw Lydia at her family's bedside, tirelessly caring for the family, always worried about their health, and was very impressed uh, with her work for tending to her family. And so after her son's death, 
he offered her a job as a full-time nurse. Bullshit. Oh Are you God. kidding me? Not wait, kidding. Oh my wait. God. This dude sees her and is like, well, everyone in your family keeps dying and you're fine and uh, you're constantly watching over them. You know what? You have all the qualities of a good Literally nurse. Literally every patient in her care has died. How is that going to be a good nurse? <laughs> can I uh, – time out. How old this is This is where Lydia? the incompetence How old is Lydia in? at this point? Uh, so Lydia married um, – what's his years face? Old. <laughs> so Lydia married uh, – let's see. 1857 is when she married, and she was 17 years old. Okay. And this is in 1864. So she's in her 20s. She's like 22. She's, so, she was 17. Well, all right. All right. Time out. Let me, let's go back. Lydia was Eight. a tailorist by trade with big blue eyes, chestnut hair, and milky complexion. 25 so, years old. So she's like, fine. I'm going I'm I'm to say, I'm going to say. Hot for the 60s. I'm going to say as a man, this dude, L. Rosenstein, came up in there like <laughs> he wasn't paying attention to those kids. He just saw this woman who was like, oh, I'm caring for my children. And look at my butt. Like, oh, you see my ankle? And he was like. Yo, you want to be a nurse? This dude was trying to bone down, <laughs> and he didn't see all the murders <laughs> happening in front of his face. Oh, no, I man, see he was this. just really impressed that she would stay up all night with these people and that's take care bullshit. Of them and this feed guy just was them. trying to get some like some <laughs> that twenty-two. He's like, oh well, you know, my wife is twenty-eight, and that's far too old for me. So he saw a twenty-two-year-old and was like, I'm in. <laughs> I mean. You might be right, because uh, his his incompetence is a lot of the reason that she got to continue on. Mm. Um, and in the, the summer of 1864, Lydia, a medical expert in murder, became a full-time nurse. Ridiculous. And, Ridiculous. In the 1860s. How do, you now, even, how do you even track? How do you even, like, track those deaths? When she's a nurse? Yeah. You don't. So we actually don't know much what? about her profession as a nurse. We actually don't know much about what happened during her time as a professional nurse. A nurse. Uh, but it's very possible and hell even probable that she killed people under his, under Rosenstein's watch as a nurse. It's it's people assume she did, but we just we don't have enough records showing what she was doing during that time. I can't um, believe that because she wasn't put on trial for murders she did while she was a nurse, uh, and we'll see why. But. Lydia still had two children to take care of before we're through with her, her time. This is not the ending where she goes and becomes a nurse and then everything's well. Um, she still had a couple more children. 18-year-old, uh, an 18-year-old daughter uh, named Lydia as well. And a 12-year-old named Anne Eliza, who Lydia described as the happiest child I ever saw. How the hell is she going to justify this? Younger Lydia was a good, attractive, and hardworking girl who worked at a general store as a clerk. And was being courted by a man named John Smith. Of course he was. Ah, yeah, before yes. he time traveled and met Pocahontas, dog. it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. This guy was uh, voiced by Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, the year of uh, that, the, this particular year, uh, I believe we're in 1866 now, um, had a particularly rough winter. Uh, and it was especially bad for Anne Eliza, the 12 year old, as she had fallen ill on and off throughout the entirety of the winter. And since Lydia was a full-time nurse, it fell to the younger Lydia to care for her, which meant giving up her job as a store clerk. And so, in older Lydia's, the mom's own words, she once again became, quote, downhearted and discouraged. And still had the bottle of arsenic she had bought in that, that spring, in this previous spring, over half full. Whoa, so time you, out, time out, time out, time out. It's only been a year? 
Yeah, man. And her whole family has died except for these two girls. Yes. And ain't nobody being like, well, that's suspicious. Before the no. two girls, it was only a month. Before yeah. the two girls, it was only a month. She, when she started, it was fast. All of this is happening uh, between... So the final death, it basically was like a year event. 1864, she becomes a nurse. Two years later, the killings begin again. As long as... Likely she was killing while she was a nurse. <clears throat> so, That is Lydia, so crazy. I know, dude. It's insane. She becomes downhearted and discouraged and still had the... Like I said, the bottle of arsenic in her... In her drawer that she bought that spring a couple years back, still half full. She went home after going to the drugstore to buy a cure-all medicine that she bought for uh, Analyza. And mixed in some arsenic with that medicine and began to medicate the young girl. This time, however, it wasn't an overnight death. This one took four days for young Anne to die a violent, excruciating death that would be labeled death from typhoid fever. That's like in the world. That's rude as shit to buy a cure all and then put the thing and then poison the shit out of it. Yeah, that's that's like that's cold. Yeah, yeah. It's strange, man. Thereafter, younger Lydia and her mother lived together until eighteen until in eighteen sixty six. Oh, so that was all in eighteen sixty four. I apologize. Yeah, that was all eighteen sixty four. Then eighteen sixty six, younger Lydia got sick, and her mother did what was expected of by now medicated her daughter until she died the morning of May 19th, 1866. However, it is important to note that Lydia does claim that younger Lydia died of natural causes. She's like, that one wasn't me? Yeah. She she copped to the death of the rest of her family, uh, but but she did not cop to the death of this one. Now, obviously, it's debatable because a lot of the signs of uh, this Lydia's death are equal or equivalent to the ones of the other ones. But the fact that she's not claiming this one and claimed everything else... Might be weird, um, but I don't know. You, you know, we'll we'll never know. It doesn't fucking matter at this point. Uh, that is just so bizarre. That she did it. Um, while the doctors seemed to be oblivious to everything that was happening, as everyone around Lydia was dying, she was gorgeous, and they were all trying to get some. <laughs> Let's remember this. I mean, yeah, maybe that's. It's, Let's it's remember possible. this. They wanted to get that 1860s poon. I know. I who who you know who doesn't. Uh, God. 1860s? I'm out, dude. I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking <laughs> something up from that. That's the 1860s stank going. That's the on. 1860s promise. Is you're gonna get an STD of some kind, no matter what, <laughs> and a little arsenic if it's Lydia. Uh, so as everyone around Lydia was dying, except for Lydia herself, not everyone was fully in belief of that this was what was going on. A reverend named Payson and there you Lydia's- go. See, the one guy not trying to get laid is the guy who's like. <laughs> The guy's this already married to, to somebody shit. much more powerful. <laughs> yeah, God. And Lydia's older stepson, Cornelius Struck. As well as the two... cast of the Chiluminati podcast. <laughs> we, we weirdly were suspicious <laughs> yeah. of her. I wonder what she looked like. I bet you there's pictures out there. Um, look, um, the way they describe her is the way they describe, all like, throughout old-timey writing. What a weird thing to say, but throughout period true. writing... Oh, that piece. Every time someone describes it as like milky skin, like all that BS is just their code word saying like that's a fine white woman. That's literally <laughs> what they're saying. I'm that's imagining. Like what I'm imagining uh, Nicole Kidman in the others. That's where my head's sure. at. They, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so Cornelius Struck specifically would end up going to the district attorney, District Attorney Gavin, and urge him to exhume the corpses of his now dead family to figure out what the hell was going on 
and if Lydia had been poisoning with arsenic. Lydia, however, was far from done. Free of her family, she finally claimed to be living a uh, living a life that felt good and free, in her own words. Wow. Eventually, free of her family, Lydia found herself taking care of an elderly man who had recently lost his wife called Mr. Hurlbert a Hold few on. towns away Hold outside on. of New York. Can we just Hurlbert. take a second to talk about Mr. Hurlbert? <laughs> Mr. Hurlbert. <laughs> the guy with the worst name of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like a, like you you want to it's like how do I make a name sound like a fart without making it sound like onomatopoeia? <laughs> Mr. Hurlbert. God. If your name if you listen to this podcast and your last name is Hurlbert, what is what does Mr. Hurlbert look like to you? Uh, oh, he, he's the guy. He's Harry Potter's stepdad or whatever that guy is. <laughs> I was thinking of the dude from Pocahontas who's like not John Smith. <laughs> exactly. But same. Yeah. We all know who we're talking about. Dur you're talking about Dursley. Yeah, yeah we're all talking Potter. about a Dursley-like figure. There's only you are not you are not showing up. Looking fine if your name is Hurlbert. That's just a fact. <laughs> Hurlbert. <laughs> well, good old Mr. Hurlbert here was a recent widower. He had a large piece of land, and he was relatively well off for the 1860s. And eventually, the two were married. Mere days after she had started living with him as a live-in aide, uh, they had fallen in love with each other, and they married one another. They got married in a, in a in her uh, in his one of his brother's houses or something. It was like a shotgun wedding. Um, it was very kind of quick. Um, <clears throat> and for over a year on the outside, it always appeared as though Lydia truly cared for the man. But it's important to note that one of the promises Mr. Hurlbert made to Lydia Hurlbert. about marrying her was that if Lydia married him, he would will everything he ever owned. Instantly killed. Instantly her. dead. Instantly kills him. So they got married, and they lived, like I said, for over a year. Uh, married in their homestead. And um, she gave him a year? That's She gave him a year. year. He probably she was the was, entire time just like, for should year. I? Yeah, I <laughs> know. She was thinking it over. Uh, dinner was always ready on the table when he came home from his excursions into the city. Uh, she doted on him, took care of him, and took care of the house near perfectly, and even shaved his face for him as his hands trembled too much for him to shave his own face. The neighbors even truly thought they had something special. They always kissed and had a good time, and uh, outward appearances were, were very, very flattering for the two of them. But one day, during a routine shave, Mr. Hurlbert got rather dizzy and walked away trying to feel better and then eventually came back for the shave and then got even sicker and quickly fell into a sickness. And what does Lydia do when someone she's, uh, she's friends, friends with, family with, married with, what does she do when be someone becomes, quote, useless and feeble? Oh, my God. <laughs> she Jesus. fixed him a food, drink, and some medicine with her favorite ingredient, arsenic. And shortly thereafter, in 1868, Lydia had suddenly inherited $20,000 worth of 1860s land and $10,000 worth of 1860s cash. It's like a million ounces of arsenic you could buy with that. <laughs> she could just load the walls <laughs> yeah. with arsenic. Poor Mr. Hurlbert fucking kicked it. She couldn't even, like... See, I thought when I was reading the story, she was going to slit the throat. I'm like, oh, God, here it comes. Like, with the shaving razor? constantly talk about the shaving and the razor and 1860s shaving is fucking scary. I'm good. But no, she just, her own standby, killed him with arsenic. She's like, look, these doctors aren't figuring this shit out. I'm just going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. 
That's crazy. But before we get to the end of Dear Lydia, there's still a little bit more to be done. God damn. In 1870, Lydia would marry one more time. Two years later. And acqu- yep. Man. And acquire the name that stuck with her until this day, Lydia Sherman. She married another widower who was desperate for a new wife to help take care of the home and his children. Horatio Sherman was a hardworking factory man, full of charm, full of charisma. Much better and according- name than Mr. Hurlbert. Yeah. Yes, agreed. And according to friends and people who know him, had quite an affinity for the bottle. My man. He was $300 in debt, but Lydia uh, quickly found herself enjoying his company and eventually married there him. There are a lot of people out there who the are debt. like, I'd be, I'd kill to be $300 in debt. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I would poison with arsenic <laughs> to be $300 in debt. <laughs> I, if there was a shot that I could live through it, I would take that bet. Uh and they would be married very shortly after, much similar to Mr. Hurlbert, in his brother's home and began to enjoy their life together. Two months after the marriage, Lydia killed his four-month-old child with arsenic. Jesus. Lydia, Jesus. calm it down. Shit. <clears throat> the month following, she killed 14-year-old Ada, his other child. She fell, she fell ill while helping to decorate the local church for Christmas. And when she went home, Lydia did as she always does and laced everything she gave the poor girl with arsenic. And to, at this point, if it isn't clear, literally all this Lydia looks for is an excuse. If, she just as needs soon an as excuse. somebody's sick, she's like, oh, shit. As soon as somebody's sick, she's out. But Feeble he, and old, out. Here's the it thing, doesn't though, matter. There's no, there's no guarantee that any of these people were ever sick. Right. Or, like, had, didn't have a sickness that wouldn't have gone away in a few weeks if they just stuck it out. Well, I'm, all I'm um, saying is, like, there's no reason why she needed to play by that rule. She could just be oh. like, oh, well, she got sick, so I killed her. Like. My personal theory is she probably played by that rule because it was a way of justifying it to herself. Yeah. It was her way of saying, oh, I'm doing them a favor. But if you give them a little arsenic, don't they just get a little sick and then... Well, yeah. If she, then she, she, had, she did do that a lot where she some of the times she would only give them a little arsenic over the course of many, many days to try and, and just like extend the torture. And she would watch the entire time, always by their bedside, watching what she was doing to them. And I'm sure enjoying it to a degree. Um. But it would be days before poor little Ada would, would actually succumb to the poisoning, dying on New Year's Eve. And she started being poisoned prior to Christmas. So you're do looking you, at like a week. Do you think she also, just like trying to get into the mind of a killer, do you think mm. she also liked the idea that everyone saw her as the doting mother who oh, was always absolutely. like watching over them? And she got off on the fact that people were like, you're yeah. so kind to what's look after the, all these kids. What's it called? Uh, Munchausen? What's the thing you like? You like keep someone sick. It's like the thing from the Sixth Sense where you're like, oh, I don't know. You keep someone sick so that you can take care of them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it exists. Like, it might be Munchausen. I've heard of Munchausen. I just don't remember what it is. Yeah, it's something like that. But no, without a doubt, there is no doubt in my mind she was having some sort of like savior complex happening, or or to a degree, you know, that even though she never saved them, she killed them almost always. People always saw her as the loving, caring figure that was by their bedside every step of the oh, way. Oh, no, Munchausen's is the one where you act like you're sick or have a mental illness, but you don't because you like the attention that it gets you for, like, mm. you constantly believe that you're sick. I'll try and find out what the other one is that, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're coming towards the end of Lydia's story, so while you research... Munchausen uh, by proxy, maybe? Ah, uh, yeah, it's induced illness it by, yeah, carers. There you go. So the people that take care of them are like, you're sick and I need to take care of you. But really, they're the ones making them sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, as I imagine it would happen to any of us, the loss of his two children sent Horatio into a severe 
uh, spiral of depression. How is he not like, you did this. Every single kid that you've ever had died. Like, yeah, good question. Be like, you don't know. Uh, eventually, he ended up grabbing a bunch of his, uh, as the book put it, cronies, and left town. Cronies? cronies. Yeah, he grabbed a Who bunch of his guy? cronies. But he was, again, he was, a, he was just a drunk. He was a drunk uh, factory worker that he just loved drinking. Um, and the loss of his two children shoved him even further down that r- route. Uh, eventually, though, after a few weeks, he would be returned by his eldest son, by his previous marriage, Nelson, um, who was paid to go actually and find him by none other than Lydia. Lydia actually gave Nelson money to go find his father and bring him back home. And he'd succeeded. He found his father. Uh, actually, the, the, what he says in the book is he found his father living a life amongst low lives, a.k.a. I'm sure homeless, drinking, that kind of thing, gambling, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Crazy. Um, Upon returning, he was almost immediately poisoned <laughs> by Lydia. <laughs> Lydia. Like, she paid Nelson to bring him home so that she could just kill him. That's what she did. And the man who would finally bring an end to her terror would arrive in a man by the name of Dr. Beardsley. Beardsley. The, the beard is in the name. <laughs> the, beard, the dude the came in and he was like, I got this. He would tend to Horatio and actually see him start to get better, only to discover that every time he would come back, uh, he had gotten worse somehow. And it didn't huh. make any sense. Uh, and that each time he would come to tend to him, nothing he did would work. In fact, he would continually get worse. As the symptoms were described to him, he realized it bore all the signs of arsenic poisoning. And luckily, Dr. Beardsley knew the outward signs Brought to you by Beard, of man. arsenic poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horatio was far too gone, however, when he realized that this is what was happening to Horatio. And Horatio died on May 12th, 1871. After his death, a postmortem was ordered by Dr. Beardsley under some massive suspicion. It was found his liver was, quote, absolutely saturated with arsenic. Insanity. The other bodies, the bodies that were exhumed, by the way, uh, from his family by the son after she ran off, also found the exact same thing arsenic in, in almost all and all of them um, fearing Jeez. the law had been closing in Lydia ran uh, but she wouldn't lo- last long as the she ran to New Jersey and the cops had been alerted there in New Jersey and she would be arrested the other family members who were exhumed had been found the exact same cause of death arsenic poisoning and after the trial Lydia was thrown into prison for life would have been a hanging if she was a man however because she was a woman and the whole general public at this point, mind you, the general public had been whipped into a frenzy. After she had been caught and realized what was going on, much like we see today, the newspapers were laced with just articles about the, this mysterious female killer. Tons of, of, uh, of straight lies in the newspapers of the killing she's done and just made it up to make it more sensational. So that when the people actually saw her, they were literally surprised by how plain and boring she looked. Because they like, thought she, she was going like, like, oh like a demon or something? Yeah, like a demon or some like exotic beauty. Mm-hmm. But she was just a normal woman. And that was even more fascinating to the people. Um, however, Lydia's reign of terror did come to an end in 1871. Uh, and she lived a rather incredible life of killing. She killed, uh, admitted to 12, I think was the number in the end. Uh, maybe a little Jesus. bit more. But we we will never know how many people she killed. Uh all of those people who died under her care at that hospital should have their bodies ex- exhumed. Yeah, I know, right? That's um, so insane. I mean, I guess it doesn't something matter Im- now, but damn. While this is insane, 
Next week's topic, Jane Toppin, the angel of death. Uh, she killed so many people. She's fucked. I've, I've heard a little bit about her yeah. before. That she, is like she, next level of this. She killed so many people that she couldn't even remember the details of some of them anymore. And it is believed that she killed well over 100. That's insane. The insanity. Well, but so I wanted to tell Tommy the story. Patera's, what was Tommy Patera's body count? Uh, believe he, he admitted to around 18 of them, um, but he talked about well over 60. Damn. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of his, uh, and if you think about it, a lot of the reason he was caught is because he had to, he had to do something with the fucking bodies, right? Right. And the reason he was caught, they had to go dig up the bodies for evidence. When you're a nurse in the 1860s murdering people, the bodies take care of themselves. Yeah, you're just like, the hospital takes sick. care of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But I wanted to talk about Lydia and a little bit kind of lay the groundwork for the 1860s for Jane Toppin because of how insane the Jane Toppin story fucking is. Is it the same time? Uh, a little after, like about a decade later. Okay. But in between, honestly, there was another killer I wanted to talk about, but I don't want to talk about all three. Uh, there's another female serial killer that takes place just after her who was also a nurse. However, her shtick <laughs> was that she claimed to have premonitions of the people dying before oh they died oh boy she would she would have uh and every fucking person believed her she, she'd get a chill like while eating dinner and she'd be like oh i believe your brother's uh gonna get ill and never get better and then oh surprise a week later he was dying from fucking arsenic poisoning how did she even get, how did, that's like some like baby she Ruth got shit. she got super cocky she got she got very cocky at, at, at towards the end of her killing spree. Uh, she like was doing shit like just feeding the local neighborhood dog poisoning because she was annoyed with it, and everybody in town knew she didn't like the dog, and she was the only one that didn't like the dog. And she suddenly had a premonition that the dog was gonna die, and then oh surprise, the dog died. Like that—that that, that was her, kind of like her end of the. Story. That is insane to me. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's crazy. So Poisoning's that's Lydia. That's a very quick sum up of Lydia and her life. Seems um, so obvious when somebody's poisoning a shitload of people. I, I don't get it. And it, that's the thing about this particular story, too, is that the first doctor, Rosenstein, first maybe one or two deaths. I give him a little leeway because, again, 1860s. Right. Doesn't really matter. Like they he didn't know once the whole family is dead <laughs> and like Lydia's alive. But also yeah. there's there's the idea of proper training and medical protocol and none of that really existed sure. at the time period. Yeah. Like the, it, I mean you're not wrong. Didn't. Um that's something that's something else we'll definitely talk about yeah. in the next episode when with nurse training lasted like two I think it was uh 2 years most. Like there's a, a fast I, I need to watch it. I've only seen the first two episodes, but I should finish it because it was great. Um during this, you know, during this time period as well is when like pathologies and profiling and all that was coming. So like, shout out to TNT for their show, The Alienist. Yeah, uh, that I've show only seen looks cool. Yeah, I've only seen two episodes so far. I need to finish it. It's like Dakota Fanning and uh, Luke Evans and Dan Brule and like uh, like literally just it's about damn, damn. the the first people to really like actually try to figure out why serial killers and why killers did what they did. And I think that's fascinating because, and I think that's set in like 1880. So, you know, it's one of those things that even at that time they had no idea. They didn't even like try to figure out why killers did what they did. They just assumed like they've got bad spirits in their brain cavity. Like no one knew. No one had a clue. There's also that Clive Owen show about medicine, like around like in the turn of the turn of the 19th century, 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, Medicine is wild, man. That's if anything. Just refreshed reading this book, refreshed my memory of like history class. Of just 
You, they just had no idea what they were I doing. I can't believe they didn't suspect something from this lady. I can't well, believe it. From everything that I was reading, like, they should have. How After is it just At a least priest? the first few deaths. Yeah, oh my god. Right. Like, they should have like, suspected something was going on after all the family started dying. But so what else is there besides reason, engorged liver? Is there anything else? Uh, well, it's the, the outward appearance is just like uh, tightening of the throat, incredible abdominal pains, constant vomiting until the point you're vomiting blood, diarrhea. Um, there is nothing they could do about the pain either. Even morphine wouldn't work. Because arsenic just fucking rips you apart from the inside. That is awful. Yeah, it is an excruciating, long, painful, one of the worst ways in the world to die. And that's Lydia. Mm. Oh, my God. And that's today's episode. Oh, Happy God. note. Happy note. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go drink some whiskey. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, what's, what fascinates me, too, about a lot of these stories of these bigger serial killers is just, like, all of the coincidences that have to happen. Like, Rosenstein had to not suspe- suspect her. Bring her on as a nurse, or he's just you know, trying to get it get it in. You know what I mean? But as I'm saying, she had to have a physician that would what either saw her as either an asset. He blew it. Yeah, he totally. Or he blew it. it. And like that's that one could have been the turning point right then and there, hmm. but it wasn't because like he wanted to get his dick wet or whatever it was. Um, as much as insane. I love that theory, I feel like he just probably wasn't a great doctor. Yeah, he probably wasn't a great doctor. But he also and, wanted and, to get some. And you have to also keep in mind, too, this is also an age where doc, doc, door-to-door doctors took on so many patients. So they only were in the house for a few minutes, quickly prescribed something, and then they had somewhere else to go. It wasn't like you could go to a doctor's office and then, you know, spend however long they deemed you needed. Uh, house call doctors were in and out. But that's the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you boys enjoyed uh, the, the episode. Um, yeah. Things are going to get a little darker Roller in the next one. Ride. Cool. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, little great. doctor in the dark in the next one. Jane Toppin's early life is really funny, uh, so I think we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about what it was like for her to live with, uh, basically as a live-in maid, um, and and her life is that how how she may even was broken, well before she started killing. Hmm. But all that stuff is stuff to talk about next episode. So uh, usual plugs as always. Hey, we have t-shirts, hats, and stickers. Get baby. those sexy pieces of merchandise. Get them. Yeti.com, I think, slash collection slash Illuminati. It's where you can get the Yeti stuff. Uh, the the subreddit, as always, is becoming more and more busy. If you want to talk about anything over there, stories you have, or talk about other stories people are telling, or have a suggestion, there's a suggestion thread, uh, you can head over to the Illuminati Pod subreddit. Illuminati uh, Pod for uh, Twitter as well. Our personal Twitters are Jesse Cox for Jesse, uh, Faciane A for Dear Old Alex, and Mathis Games for myself. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing, gents? I think that's it, dude. I feel good. Right. I feel good. I I wanna I wanna I gotta look up another crazy one for levity's sake. Yeah, man. <laughs> Bring on the, the crazy shit. We got one more relatively heavy episode, and then we got some uh, fun ghosty stuff coming some up. Chinese after that. ghosts. And, Let's go. Yeah, man. It's gonna be great. Uh, but anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. We will return in a few weeks. Bye. Hi. Bye. Hi. Hmm. Good pie. <laughs>